Hello, welcome to Injury Prevention Podcasts. My name is Rod McClure. I'm editor of the BMJ journal Injury Prevention, and each month I chat with a distinguished researcher or practitioner, and together we explore the narrative of their injury prevention careers. My guest today is Dr. Ben Beck, Head of Sustainable Mobility and Safety Research, and Deputy Head of Pre-Hospital Emergency and Trauma Research within the School of Public Health and Preventive Medicine at Monash University. Hello, Ben. Hello, Rod. How are you? Very well, thank you. This is a fantastic opportunity to catch up with you. This is the first time we've chatted, I think. Indeed. Looking forward to it. And although I'm obviously aware of your work for, for many years and noticed that you've moved recently, or not so recently, from New South Wales to Victoria. Where are you now and what are you doing? So I'm currently uh, the Deputy Head of Pre-Hospital Emergency and Trauma Research at Monash University. Uh, and I've had a, a bit of an uh, interesting pathway, I guess, throughout my career. Um, my interest in injury prevention sparked in my uh, third year of my undergraduate um, biomedical engineering degree. Uh, there was a subject on injury biomechanics and um, I was captivated and ever since that time have, have kind of been engrossed in the topic. Uh, so I did my PhD in, in Sydney uh, and then following that, as I said, moved to, to the Defence Science and Technology Organisation and, and on to Monash University. And so I've, I've worked in a number of different kind of areas, uh, obviously in academia, but also within government organisations. And now what I do, uh, I guess, crosses across a number of areas, and that's really from primary injury prevention through to secondary and, and tertiary prevention. Uh, so one of my roles is Chief Investigator on the uh, Victorian State Trauma Registry, which is a, a population-based registry of, of major trauma. And really what makes the Victorian State Trauma Registry globally unique is the fact that we follow up all of our patients at six, 12 and 24 months post-injury and get a really detailed understanding of their recovery and their functional outcomes and health-related quality of life. And so really my work uh, uh, pervades all of those areas from primary prevention through to how we can uh, improve trauma care and enhance outcomes from injury. That's that's particularly interesting to me at the moment because you've where most of the audience to this particular discussion uh, think of injury prevention in terms of primary prevention or preventing the injury occurring, preventing the in incident injury incident, and you're working actually in trauma care and post-injury outcomes. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think um, it's it's. I think where many people would be aware that, that in order for us to truly reduce the burden of injury, we need to be working across all of those domains. Obviously, our most effective manner in, in, in being able to reduce injury is in primary prevention, but it's often the most challenging. And so we still have opportunities to be able to reduce the burden of injury through enhancing the care that we provide uh, to our patients. Uh, and also uh, enhancing their recovery to, to reduce the long-term impact. Right, I understand. The other thing you were indicating a few minutes ago was that you had, to some extent, a an engineering and a biomechanics training, and yet you're working in a field that clearly demonstrates your expertise across a range of other disciplines. What do you call yourself? <laughs> That's a great question. 
uh, jack of all trades, master of none. No, I think um, uh, I, I kind of call, I don't have a, a, a way of describing myself. Um, really what I try and do is reduce the burden of injury. And what the my engineering degree has given me, I think, is a, uh, a way of thinking. Uh, and that is very much a systems approach. And so I try and apply that um, systems approach to everything that I do, whether that be from primary prevention through to uh, secondary and, and tertiary prevention. But um, realistically, now I'm also starting to shift my interest somewhat uh, into sustainable mobility and uh, some of the opportunities that exist in that space. So how did you get there? A couple of reasons. Uh, firstly, I ride a bike um, and I am very acutely aware of the issues in terms of safety that exist, um, particularly in uh, areas such as Australia and North America, which are very car-centric cultures. And because of that, have really under-prioritised investment in, in cycling. Uh, and in addition to that, uh, I have recently become a parent and because of that, um, I am now very much more than ever a walking advocate uh, and particularly uh, disability access advocate, having uh, pushed a pram around and uh, really found out the limitations of much of the infrastructure that exists for our pedestrians. There's an immediacy, isn't there, in, in injury? It um, sometimes can be trivialised in terms of you only need common sense to solve the problem, but it has the benefit of us being having the situation in our face pretty much every day. So an intellectual mind or a, an academic mind can look at this on a daily basis, see challenges and then work on solutions. That's exactly right. I think uh, one of the things that I love working in this space is that you can have a, a real impact on society and, and on your local community. Um, and, and you can often see the benefits of that. And I mean, a primary example is work, working in this space of sustainable mobility because you can make a difference for your community in terms of enhancing opportunities for safe and accessible walking and, and cycling. I think one of the challenges that we face, though, is engaging the community on the issue of, of injury. Uh, it's particularly challenging, for example, in the space of, of road trauma, where we have, I think, some complacency in the community and, and we see death and serious injury as an, as an artefact and, and a, a simple outcome of um, using uh, particularly motor vehicles, but using the road network. And uh, it's very challenging to be able to change the perceptions around that. But certainly from an academic perspective, uh, it's, it's a wonderful space to work in. It's a challenging space to work in. And I think we're all aware that we still have a lot of work to do. There's clearly a strong academic pedigree that you've risen from in terms of being an engineer interested in road safety and physical environments. We only need to go to Haddon and some of his colleagues quite a dis some distance ago uh, to see the roots of some of your thinking. But you've taken on a couple of other causes. Um, one of these is president, I understand, of the Australian Injury Prevention Network. 
Yes, that's exactly right. And actually, we're, we're excited that we are now the Australasian Injury Prevention Network. Um, we've been uh, expanded into New Zealand and have been very fortunate in um, being able to really try and bring together the injury prevention community across Australia and New Zealand. Um, and so really, this is a, a community of uh, people and experts in injury prevention, um, from practitioners uh, and, and non-for-profit organisations through to government officials and, um, and, and academics. And so it's a wonderful community to be a part of. Um, and we are still trying to enhance uh, the collaboration that exists across the fields of injury prevention. I think many of us are aware that, um, and, and uh, it's a potentially overused term, but uh, a lot of the work that happens in injury prevention is uh, quite siloed. Um, and uh, we are trying to, to bridge together and develop a community that enables breaking down some of those walls uh, and to really start to, to share learning. And I think particularly um, we are in a very exciting time at the moment. And the reason, one of the reasons for that is that um, we're in the process of developing um, the National Injury Prevention Strategy for Australia. So that's something that the, the Australasian Injury Prevention Network or the AIPN are doing in partnership with the George Institute for Global Health. Um, and we're at a time now where we're inviting experts uh, to be able to provide comment on a draft of that strategy. But what it hopefully will do is uh, create a, a pathway and a strategy moving forward that will uh, enable us to prioritise activities, uh, enable us to really come together as a community and try and tackle this problem um, as a united force. I can't let the, um, the world's current circumstances slide by at the moment without drawing some attention to your description of taking opportunities, trying to find new ways of doing business, trying to overcome the fragmentations and think about strategic change. Can you perhaps comment, and I know you've had a bit of a think about this, on how the, the social fragmentation or the isolation that's been created over the last several months in our public health response to COVID um, has awakened people's thinking about perhaps new ways of addressing some of the other problems as well? Yes, I think it's a, a fascinating space and um, there's probably a, a good hour's worth of, of discussion around that. What I will do is, is take uh, the example, which is uh, a particular interest of mine, as we've discussed around the opportunities that, that exist with, uh, with mobility. And because of the fact that we've seen uh, the, the large majority of, of people um, spending more time at home, whether that be working at home or, or caring um, for others at home, what's changed is the way that we move about our cities. Um, and what's been really interesting is that we've seen big shifts uh, towards walking and cycling and uh, they have been very hyper-local, so very much around local neighbourhoods. It's um, it, taking my examples, it's, um, uh, it's, it's taking my son for a walk around the, the block or, or going for a local ride uh, that has replaced my, um, my ride to work as, as an example. Uh, but what it really has done is, is it's highlighted a number of issues that we have at the moment. Um, coming back to this concept of having a very car-centric culture that exists really across Australia, 
has has really demonstrated to us that we give the vast majority of our street space to cars and that comes at the cost of those on foot or on bike and it's been very stark um, and it's it's created real challenges from the simple perspective of being able to maintain uh, I, again, coming back to my example, I've had situations where I've constantly been having to cross onto the other side of the road to avoid other pedestrians or um, I've seen other people walking or running down roads uh, to, to ensure that they're adhering to physical distancing requirements. And uh, coming back to this point, it's really demonstrated to us that we need far greater levels of investment in walking and cycling infrastructure. And I, uh, I sit in a school of public health and, and, as I mentioned earlier, have a real interest in sustainable mobility. And these modes are the perfect intersection between injury prevention and public health. What I mean by that is that when we think about cycling as a mode of, of transport, uh, the biggest barrier to getting more people riding is how safe they feel, that perceived safety. And so when often in, in the world of injury prevention, we could be criticised for uh, creating environments that um, restrict physical activity and potentially have negative consequences associated with that. But when we think in this world of, of, um, of, of walking and cycling, if we can enhance safety and reduce injury risk, we also then have the benefit of being able to provide environments that are more cohesive to, to walking and cycling uh, and be able to actually increase participation. So we have this kind of net benefit of providing safer environments and also having more people using these active modes of transport and therefore realising the substantial physical and mental health benefits associated with that physical activity. Um, and that's ignoring, obviously, the huge environmental benefits of shifting away from car-based travel through active modes of transport. So as a trained engineer, you've made some really insightful comments about the human psyche and the systems of society. That might be a good point to leave the conversation. Thank you very much, Ben. It's been a fascinating discussion. Thank you for your time. Thanks for having me, Rod. Today, we've been chatting with Dr. Ben Beck from Monash University. For those of you interested in injury prevention, I would encourage you to visit our journal's website at injuryprevention.bmj.com. Remember, you can listen to this podcast on the first Thursday of each month through your normal, usual podcast platform.